0: If you've ever been interested in securing some government contracts for your business or how to grow at an exponential rate, then you will want to hear this episode. My guest today is Kizzy Parks. Dr. Parks always knew she'd become an entrepreneur and earn an advanced degree in psychology. Her entrepreneurial spirit meshed well with her inquisitive nature as an adopted child who always wanted to and then met her birth family, with who she is close today. Driven to be the successful business owner she always knew she would be, Dr. Parks went on to earn a PhD and establish K-Parks Consulting Incorporated over a decade ago. Since 2008, KPC has been at the forefront of creativity, customized in-person, online virtual reality, and blended-based training and curriculum development services that meet the unique needs of of federal agencies. Today, she owns and operates multiple businesses and has over $50 million in government contracts awarded. Through GovCon winners, she helps service-based small business owners learn how to win profitable federal government contracts through the powerful CTC technique to grow their bottom line. This is The Road to Seven. I am Sheila Cummins, and you are going to love this interview. Welcome to The Road to Seven. I'm your host, Sheila Cummins. I am an entrepreneur, a mentor, an investor, a wife, and mom to three beautiful children. Women entrepreneurs are up-leveling and changing the rules for business strategy, leadership, success, money, and impacting the world every single day. The Road to Seven is the diary of business strategy for women entrepreneurs, We meet you where you're at in your business and champion you along the road to your vision. And I am honored you chose to join us today. Ready to go? Buckle up. It's time to hit the road. Kizzy, thank you so much for joining today. I am so looking forward to this conversation. There's not many women that I come across who could say, I've secured $50 million in government contracts and have not one but three consulting companies. Kizzy, I can't
1: imagine that's how it all started. Take us back to how this incredible journey began. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I really appreciate your kind words. It You know, it started really when I was a little girl. I've always been very entrepreneurial. I knew growing up I was going to be an entrepreneur and have a Ph.D. in psychology. Like I always just knew this from when I was like in elementary school, always knew this. So at the like tail end of my Ph.D. program, I ended up at now Patrick Space Force I was a graduate research fellow and I thought, okay, I'll work here in this research department, earn some extra money, apply to my big girl job, get ready to pay back all these crazy student loans and like begin my life was this like mindset. And in reality, it's when KPC, K-Parks Consulting started. A couple of weeks before I was to graduate, the director of research said, I heard you're graduating soon. I would love to keep you on as a government contractor. And so I had experience as a sole proprietor for several years and I saw government contractors at Patrick but I didn't really know exactly what that meant. And I thought, well, why not? I mean, I thought I wasn't going to become an entrepreneur until much later in life. I thought I would work for many years. And I said, Hey, why not? And so I ran with it, incorporated my company in May of that following year. And then the other two companies came much, much later. So that's kind of where it all started. So first off, why did you know you wanted to have a
0: PhD in psychology? And then secondly, what were you doing at Patrick Space Force?
1: Yeah, those are great questions. So when I was a little girl, I always loved like helping everybody in the neighborhood and listening to their problems and just trying to be that resource for them, like as a like seven-year-old. And I just felt like this nurturing spirit and that I would end up being a therapist, you know, kind of like. The TV show Growing Pains, I was like, oh, I'll be like the dad in Growing Pains. And so that's kind of where that came from. As far as Patrick, they needed assistance with data analytics, thought leadership, research. And the department I was in focused on diversity, inclusion, equality, and all these different human relations areas. And so initially, when I was a research fellow, I analyzed data. I assisted a summer faculty member. I would submit different documents for professional presentation. And then as time went on, when I got the con, I ended up doing a lot around analyzing data, creating a survey, got a book published with the director of research. I was always presenting research. It was very like research data thought leadership heavy, because that was before Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed. And whatever other hot topics would come up, usually where the client that I supported, they were somehow involved. And so I would assist them, however. And so
0: when you chose to go and get incorporated, is that because you needed that company structure in order to secure the government contract?
1: That's Actually, I didn't. I You know, I wish I could say yes. You know, like I the reason that I did that is because somebody said you want to come across larger than what you are. And so I was like, if I just am a sole proprietor, then they're always going to see me as one person. And so I thought, well, instead of that, let me incorporate, let me work with a lawyer, form an S corporation. So then we always appear larger. And it was, was some of the greatest advice that um, a person has shared with me. That's why I did that. When I received the first contract, I wasn't even in the government system.
0: So what I love about this is you were already connected with the government that was gonna give you the contract. So you already had built that relationship and you structured you know into an S corp because it would make you more, it would make you appear larger than you were how did you know how to price a government contract and was it priced differently than if you were going to do the same amount of work for a private company, say?
1: I had no idea how to price anything. So they basically were like, this is how much how much money do you want? And I was like, OK. And then I, I literally I had no idea. And then were you were you happy with the price that you settled on? Kind of. I think after the fact, I was like, wait a minute. I don't think I asked for enough. But it was a learning. It was a learning. And I partnered with the company to get private sector clients. And that's when I started to learn more. But it didn't mean that they were right either. They would charge like a daily rate. So as somebody coming out of graduate school, I thought, well, this is exciting. I guess this is what you do. You charge a daily rate and you figure it out. And it's now knowing what I know, the answer is what makes sense for your business, what profit margin you want, what are your expenses, there's no one answer, whether you charge daily you charge hourly, you have a subscription model, you know, and that was the biggest learning because I had no idea, I had no idea what to charge, you know, there's no one resource to go to for that. And so
0: you've now secured 50 million in government contracts, that's not an overnight thing, Kizzy. How did you go from that first contract to where you're sitting now with three consulting companies? Tell us a little bit
1: about that phase of the journey. Yeah, that's such a great, great point. A lot of it was being resourceful. We did, we provided training, we provided data analytics, and I knew I had a pivot out of diversity and inclusion. So uh-huh. I received, be- I knew it because I, thought because I didn't go to graduate school. It wasn't like my area of passion and focus. It was where I landed because that's what Patrick Space Force wanted. And I knew based on the way that I look and based on my name, that I would be pigeonholed as this diversity expert mm-hmm. for the rest of my life. And I was like, my dissertation was on organizational wellness. So like it. I knew that, My passion was much larger. It was around training. It was around being an entrepreneur, not around diversity and inclusion. And then the other thing I did, and this is key, is I took notice of the landscape. And there were several, about five That would obtain these massive million, multi-million dollar contracts with the government. And then all of these agencies would use them. And someone would say, have you worked so-and-so and so-and-so? And -and And have you, Kizzy, have you read so-and-so and so-and-so? And And they were like the hot firm. And I thought, Mm. okay, this is great. Like they're making good money. The agencies love them. However, comma, what happens a year from now? What happens three years from now? What happens four years from now? So while they may have obtained contracts at a certain period of time, not all of them are still providing those kind of services to the federal government, right? Because you got to constantly evolve or you have to, you have to evolve and offer something new because they've already purchased what you offer them. And so I thought, well, let me pivot. So we ended up getting the USDA as a client and the first contract was for $4 million.
0: What are you pitching? when you're pitching a $4 million program. Tell us what that looks like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they had a need for distance learning training or something like that. And so I reached out to them and said, Oh, we can do that. And then they were like, Oh, we would like to meet with you. And I was like, okay. And I had no idea what that meant. Like literally I had no idea. I was like, they want this thing called a capability brief. And I, I don't, I, All I knew was uh, this sentence. It wasn't a sentence. It just said like distance learning training. And I was like, okay. So I contacted my mentor. He was informal. His name is Kevin. And I was like, Kevin, there's this opportunity in DC area should I just phone? Or he was like, no, he's like, you got to go in person. And you got to touch all the senses. He's like, take all your training material, have some of your team members dial in. So you seem really big. He's like, bring CDs, bring binders. He's like, I don't care if the binders are blank. He's like, bring a bunch of stuff. So it looks like you're doing all these things, which you are, but he's like, and then they can touch it and experience it. So he was like, and then create a capability slide deck. And he's like, you know, just be prepared to talk through what you guys do and how you can help. So I was like, okay. So I remember I showed up and (laughs) the contracting officer took me into this room. And there was like a lawyer, the client, his right-hand person at the time, and then the contracting officer. So there were five of us in there in this little bitty room. And I was like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) I was like, this is intense. So I had a couple team members dial in. I was sweating profusely and I just remember them sharing what they really wanted. Yeah. And they wanted a firm to help them with staffing different training related positions. So up until then, I only had two employees. It was the second person I ever hired and myself. And so they needed someone to bring on five people. So I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, we're like expanding so rapidly. <laughs> and so from that meeting, we we meshed and I responded to their request for proposals. We received what's called an 8 day set aside. And we've been working with them ever since 2013.
0: No kidding. What's it like, Kizzy? What sort of mental prep do you need to do when you're heading in and you say, well, we can help you with that? That'll be four million dollars.
1: The interesting thing about the government, they can they'll give you like a contract ceiling. So it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get four million dollars. They're telling you we can legally spend four million dollars. So I didn't know the contract was that big Mm -hmm. because remember, all I knew was like distance learning training. I had no idea. And so. As time went on, it was kind of like, oh, wow, this is intense. Like this is a, there's a lot here. And so I look at it as they're our client and we're here to help them not to misuse or misappropriate taxpayer dollars? Oh, no,
0: that was not the, that is not anything behind my question. I just, you know, when we're talking with women entrepreneurs, we're helping them price their services and their programs and their packages. And sometimes it's like pulling teeth, trying to get them up to at least market rate, let alone... You know a profitable rate that's going to help them sustain their business growth. How have you sort of come to the point where you can price it in a way that you know that it's profitable for your company and will bring tremendous value for your clients?
1: You know that's a very interesting question because, I, and I and I'm there with you. The pricing and profitability are key. There are some times where we will intentionally lower. Because of the bigger strategy. Yes. So like, for instance, we bid on this work in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. I didn't charge a lot because I know it can lead to other opportunities. So I looked at it as we charge a little less because we're not physically in Hawaii. One of our partners is going to have to do the work. It's okay if our profit is maybe 5%. Because Mm -hmm. on our end, we're not going to have to do too, too, too much work. So we look at it as, like, a case-by-case basis, and because we are in the government space, you can go online and you can see what contracts were awarded in the past. You can look at people's GSA schedules. So I can see, like, how much does somebody charge for an admin? Do they charge $26 an hour or $74 an hour? Where does it make sense for us? And then I actually mm-hmm. have an Excel sheet where it has in there all of the taxes and all of our expenses. And so mm-hmm. all we have to do is add in the labor, what yeah. we're looking to pay someone, and it then yeah. gives us the number that we need. So we I also love that. do that, too.
0: I love that you're going in knowing what your fixed costs are, but you're going and researching the variable costs so you can price. And do you know what else I love about what you said? I don't know if you know that you said it, but you said you choose
1: what your profit is. Yeah. That's massive. You choose what your profit is. It's so true because some people I would come across, they would say like, well, I must get this. And it's like, Mm. okay, I totally get you. But if you can do that, that's great. Please, please do it. But there are times where we have to take a haircut, as they say, because we know it's strategic. It's strategic. And so it doesn't make any sense to build something up and get this huge profit and then never do it again, because then it's similar to those, those diversity firms where you get all this money on the front end, but then you're not really around anymore, providing anything unless you Mm -hmm. were, you sold. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's case by case and it balances out. So then we're still profitable. It's just some contracts may be more profitable than other contracts. So it's, it's just how we operate.
0: Fantastic. So where did the other two consulting firms come from? Why three?
1: Yeah. So in the world of the government, we have these things. We have what's called a mentor protege and joint ventures. So several years ago, I received a formal mentor and we created two joint ventures. But I'm the majority owner of both. And she's since sold her company. So we primarily operate both of those. And so the mindset is the two companies come together and kind of form this third entity. It's like a brand new entity. And so in each entity, we have different work under those.
0: Fantastic. You make it sound quite easy. Well, you go in, you listen to what they need, you put together your pitch, you do your spreadsheet so you can get the profit. What have been the biggest challenges for you, Kizzy, through the last years as you've been growing?
1: I would say the various challenges is like, I'm very particular as far as what we go after. Like Uh before we met today, I was going over business development with my superstar team member, Lori Davis. It's very time consuming, number one, to go through the opportunities because I We practice the model of finding opportunities that are profitable and make sense, yes. where some practice the model of numbers so that they, they may respond to a 100 a year or I know somebody that responds to one a day. And I'm like, whoa. And so in order to figure out what we're going to bid on, there's a lot of time making sense of what they really want that they're not telling you that they want. There's a right. lot of time spent on learning new agencies that we didn't even know existed. And so the biggest hurdle in this space is really trying to identify which opportunity makes sense because I'm okay with having fewer than 10 because these make sense opposed to having 50 contracts. They're not really profitable or they're something that is a quick turn. So there's a lot of time and energy and resources put into reviewing opportunities to figure out which one or ones you should actually bid on. And so
0: you're in the U.S. Is there a central repository for all of the contracts that you can bid
1: on? How do you go and learn them and find them? So the answer is kind of. So like people, (laughs) because like people in this space will say you go to beta.sam.gov and all of these opportunities are there and they're not. They're not. So the, the government has opportunities that you never know of. They Mm -hmm. because they do the direct awards like they did with us back in many years ago. You have schedules. Mm -hmm. So there's opportunities on these government schedules. There's opportunities that are on neither of those that they may just say, hey, I heard you provide multimedia services. We have this statement of work. Can you do it? Then there's credit card purchases. So there's a lot of different ways in which you can actually do business with the federal government.
0: Right. Interesting. It
1: sounds like you're a big fan of building the
0: plane while it's flying, while it's in the air and flying and you just figure it out. How did you build the confidence to be able to function that way?
1: I wasn't always. I was so insecure and I would always lead from scarcity. I did. It was like a mess. I was a mess. I I mean, I'm being serious. That
0: surprises me.
1: I because you're getting like the now version, right? Right. You're getting you're getting like the sun-kissed, you know, a nice smooth face. But I was like a hot mess. I really was like, I was really bad as a leader. I was bad as a business owner. I didn't know what was going on. I saw this as like, well, can't somebody else do this? Like, I wanted to hand over my power because I didn't know I had power.
0: How did you turn that around? Oh man,
1: your power. I know a lot of help. So. I ended up joining a program called Athena Power Link out of Orlando. That was like the first step. Then I just started joining different women's groups. That was like another step. Listening to audible books, another step. Going to conferences, another step. Connecting with entrepreneurs, another step you know, personal development. And then I joined the CEO Nexus Roundtable of just women business owners. That was like another thing. So it was really going from this like PhD, I like to help, but I'm scared and don't know what I'm doing. I'm so in debt mentality to really becoming the entrepreneur I was always meant to be. Mm -hmm. And so it was a very lengthy process as well as working on, Delegating, becoming ISO certified really helped, building out the team, having amazing people on the team. All of these things really helped to, to take things to, to like where they are today.
0: I love that you're acknowledging the journey part. And I think, you know, sometimes I see women entrepreneurs getting so frustrated because they have this vision of what it looks like to get there you know, oh, I can't wait until I get there or I've made it. And it's this ambiguous spot that they actually can't even define. And when you look back, you can see all the different pieces that went into that journey. When you, you know, one of the things you talked about was building out your team. Who've been the key hires that you made that have been game changers for you?
1: So the key hires, I would say, especially in the government space is you need somebody with impeccable project management and client relations skills. So Lori Davis, is all of that and more so she's she's so vital that basically i have her running the companies now as i pursue Mm -hmm. other things so Mm -hmm. you you have to have that because people misunderstand the government they think well i have this contract i gave you what i gave you and they think it's very transactional and it's not it's really not at all and so you have to have those client relation skills. You also need a good person doing your books. You need a really, really good bookkeeper, accounting firm. You need to make sure that is solid. You also need really good team members who are passionate about working with the federal government. Because right. the the most important people on the team, it's everybody but me. Because my team, including Lori, they're out there. Making our clients lives easier, engaging with them, dealing with everything and every, you know, everything and everything under the sun. And that's all these touch points of my firms. I'm not doing any of that. And so people must be open to the different missions. And so the team has to also understand that And sometimes you're kind of looked at as a lower tiered person as a contractor, because it's like, it's kind of like a staffing firm, like a hospital where you have the nurses, right. And then you have the nurses you brought in. And so (laughs) it's kind of like a healthcare mentality and that's the government. It is. It's like you have government employees, you have military members and then you have contractors. Mm. And so my team, they're okay with that. I mean, maybe they may get annoyed at times, but they have to also understand where they fit in that ecosystem of being a government contractor. That's really, 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 really vital. And also just having systems. And Mm -hmm. and it may take you a while because some people want to jump like, oh, I need a system for this. And it's like, it took me a long time to figure out our systems, not because like, I didn't understand systems. It's just because I didn't really know what we needed. Right. And so that's also pivotal in addition to the key hires you have on your team.
0: Right. The hires, the systems, and then you've actually got someone who's helping you with leads and finding new work, someone who works with biz dev. I'm curious, I've got Three questions, and then I'm going to let you go. Number one, how did COVID affect your business? And what did you do to pivot or accommodate the challenges it brought?
1: So thankfully, COVID had a very, very, very small impact on our business. Good. Yeah. Very, very, very small. I pivoted. I started a podcast. I decided to look into offering a digital product. If anything, it, in in a weird way, it brought us closer Mm -hmm. because, you know, there was that mentality like, oh, you can't really work from home, Mm -hmm. like no matter what, you know, now I get it. If you're a restaurant or a hospital employee or in medical field, I get it, unless it's telehealth. But for what we do, pretty much 90% of it can be completed from home. So Mm -hmm. our clients really understood that. So that's didn't really have much of an impact.
0: Perfect. So not you didn't have to sort of dance a little bit and get new things. What's your podcast and your online course about?
1: So the podcast is called Adult Fluent, and it's just about different topics around adulting. So Mm -hmm. Adult Fluent and then the digital product is called GovCon Winners to help service based small businesses who are interested in winning profitable government contracts. So I, yeah, so I've been running with that. So those are a couple couple things that came out of COVID.
0: So second to last question, what do you know now that you wish you knew when you started?
1: The number of scammers. Tell me more. There are so many unscrupulous, scammery, just bad people. Like, because I came from this place of like, oh yes, I want to help Patrick and help military and government and do all these things like sunshine and rainbows. I didn't realize it was like so cutthroat and people do scandalous and unscrupulous things and try to scam you. Like I've had what two or three people just outright scam us. We've probably lost like a couple hundred thousand dollars due <gasps> to scammers. Um, even recently, what are they, what are they offering you? So recently a guy in Ohio lied and said he worked for us and filed an unemployment claim and the state almost paid it. Because by the time the state processed it, mailed it to us, we responded to them. They were like, oh, this is the last day you could dispute this. And it's like, this man never worked for us. Like, we do even know who Whoa. he is. So that's one example. I've had bad hires where yes. they were horrible hires. And then it impacted the client. And the client either ended the contract or cut out a piece of the contract. Then I had people that were American greed worthy, they definitely took it to that next level. And they intentionally used me to win work, maybe paid me a small amount, and then mysteriously could never pay me again. So I had that happen. I had someone who just point blank didn't pay me anything. That person was definitely a scammer. I mean, now I have a better idea of what to look for. I mean, I couldn't, there's nothing you can do where somebody files a false unemployment claim.
0: Yeah. But yeah. other
1: than that, the other kind of scammers, that was those, that all happened many years ago, but it happens. And there's just really questionable tactics people will take in the space. And so it's just learning about those, being aware of the extent people go. To win work or to grow their business that I just, I was naive. I had no idea and that's just the one thing I really wish I knew before was that people just were not very many. Some people were just not good people.
0: Yeah, exactly. How do you bounce back from something like that?
1: I just am like positive And I just look at it like, wow, what's going on in their life? If they're just such a scammer, you know, that there's really nothing to do. It, there wasn't any like legal recourse to really take. And then with the state of Ohio, I mean, they stopped the um, claim.
0: Right. They kind of did it. There's nothing you can do. So, All okay, right. final question. Tell me, what's next for key Parks consulting?
1: Oh man, what's next is to keep doing what we're doing, continue serving our existing clients and bringing on new clients, as well as we're getting two new contract vehicles, 8A Stars 3 and the GSA professional schedule. So the goal is to really leverage those schedules to find new clients and to expand what we're offering. So those are the next things with, and then the key is like without me. So Mm -hmm. Lori Davis and the team get to go do amazing things and I get to work on other things.
0: So what's your role is going to be? Where are you focusing?
1: I'm focusing on finding things that really bring me joy, like additional Mm -hmm. joy. Like I'm not trying to say KPC doesn't bring me joy, but like things that like are really like, just really excite me. And I don't know what those I don't exactly know what those are. But so it's just that it's just figuring that out.
0: Exciting. And I love that you've got the space to be able to do that because of the company that you've built and the structure you've put in place. Kizzy, thank you so much for sharing your story. If there are listeners who want to learn about getting some small business contract, government contracts for their small business, where should they go to either connect with you or learn more about what you're doing?
1: Please connect with me on LinkedIn. And also, just so you know, it might take me a day or two to get back to you. I'm not ignoring you, just... just. Sometimes I'm not on there all the time, but I, I do post a lot. So please connect with me on LinkedIn. Kizzy, you'll see like a light bulb parks. You can reach out to me on Instagram, Facebook, but LinkedIn is the best space and we can exchange information. We can chat. I would love to share with you whatever I can share with you because The government spends over $500 billion a year, and there's tons of opportunities as long as it's something that you're interested in, in a space that you were, you know, wanting to apply that entrepreneurial hat. So please, please reach out to me.
0: Fantastic. We will. Kezi, thank you for your time today. Thank you. You're amazing. Oh, you're amazing. Thank you for listening to The Road to Seven.